0: You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most important topics in the world of Indiana basketball. This is our 293rd edition of Assembly Call Radio and our 949th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of June 1st, 2023. I am your host, Jared Morris. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call, how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier proud... Banner Moments. And
1: Indiana is the national
2: champion.
1: When it comes down, Indiana will be champion. Martin takes the shot. Oh!
0: This week's Banner Moment occurred on Wednesday night at this week's Hoosiers for Good NIL event at Huber's Winery. Mike Woodson and Tom Allen were there, along with Xavier Johnson, Trey Galloway, and Sidney Parrish. And out of everything that was said while speaking to the media, one line from X stood out above all others. Asked about his health, X said he is 100% healthy. Nothing could be more important to this year's IU basketball team than that. Well, X isn't the most talented or most versatile player on this year's team, nor did he have the greatest recruiting pedigree. He is undoubtedly the most essential piece on this year's roster, tasked with leading the offense, spearheading the defense, and being the emotional and vocal leader on the court. And by every single indication we could possibly have, based on his public comments, and the lack of any off-court nonsense, he's more ready for the role than he's ever been before. As X also mentioned at Huber's, Mike Woodson even sought his counsel this offseason on the players Indiana was recruiting. Who would he be interested in playing with? You won't be surprised to learn that X is very high on what Kalel and McKenzie can bring to the table. He's also ready for the mentorship role that will be expected of him with freshman Gabe Cups and Ja'Kai Newton. What does an Indiana team with a player as volatile as X as its emotional center actually look like when the games actually start? I'm fascinated to find out. It seems inevitable that there will be ups and downs, but the self-awareness X has shown this offseason suggests he may be ready to smooth out some of that volatility. As long as it doesn't take away the edge that makes X a special player on both ends of the court, that will be a huge positive for Indiana. But above all else, Indiana just needs a full season of health from X, so it's great to hear that he will enter summer workouts at 100%. Indiana had a Final Four ceiling last season with a healthy X. Unfortunately, we never got the chance to see it develop. With the talent, length, and potential versatility of the rebuilt roster Indiana has for this upcoming season, that same Final Four ceiling does still exist, but will be even more reliant on X's availability, leadership, and production. He has a chance to be one of the very best two-way lead guards in America, and when you've got a guy like that, and he's healthy and fully engaged, you've always got a chance. All right, now let me introduce my co-host this week. Andy, Coach, and Ryan are all off this week enjoying a little off-season R&R, but here with me are a couple of coaches ready to nerd out on IU and Big Ten hoops. First, we have a basketball coach turned business leader, the founder of IU Film Room, and a proud papa to two sharpshooting future Hoosier guards in the classes of 2037 and 2039. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Coach Adranya.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, it's Coach Adranya. No matter where you're looking, never gonna find a man with a plan to use all that he knows to educate the fan as he breaks down the yeses and ohs. Tony Tony breaks it down. Would he drop it up? Tony breaks it down. Would he drop it up? Tony breaks it down. Would he drop it up? Tony breaks it down.
0: Some of Bob Thompson's finest work right there. Tony, uh, what are your thoughts on this week in IU basketball?
2: Yeah, it never uh, gets old hearing that that opening from Bob. Um, you know, just excited to be here, first and foremost. Been a bit of time since I've been here on the actual Assembly Call Radio. Um, done some uh, some emergency podcasts here and there when we've gotten the commitments, but been quite some time since I've been on here. So super excited to be here, chat with yourself and, and Coach Bob Moats. Um, you know, I I think the big 10 had a big week in terms of guys that returned, um, I, you know, all things considered, obviously there were some guys that stayed guys that went, um, but I think as a whole yesterday essentially was a big day for the big 10. And I know we'll get into that here a little bit later, but always excited to be here on assembly call. Always excited to talk some IU hoops.
0: Absolutely. All right. And also joining us tonight, a special guest from our community who has coached youth basketball for 24 years in the Columbus, Indiana area, most recently in the Columbus Revolution Program and at Parkside Elementary. It is Bob Moats. Bob, we don't yet have special intro music for you, but as, you know, Tony's example has proven, you keep showing up, Bob Thompson will eventually produce a banger uh, in honor of your presence. Uh, but thanks for being here, man. What's on your mind this evening?
1: Well, first off, uh, I would be interested to hear it, and my wife would probably not want to hear that every time I walk into a room in the house. So, But, yeah, all the more reason to do it, I think. Um, no, uh, it's always great talking to you guys about IU and, and basketball across the board. It, it's funny. I, it, it's almost like we kept thinking with portal season, when is it supposed to end? And I think it's the never-ending story. Although we're beginning to start getting, we're getting some inclinations. I mean, it's really been an exciting week now that the draft, you know, the draft field is set that, you know, there are some teams that are kind of like Graham Hall sitting in his car waiting at the end of qualifications of bump day going, Oh man, I may have been left behind. And, you know, you're seeing some of these programs surprising programs like Kentucky, for example, who are just like, you know, you're kind of seeing maybe some shifts in college basketball across the board that maybe some of the luster on some programs that we've always thought would just be you know always up there with talent maybe struggling to find a way to 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 get the teams that they're used to getting in those places and it's it's just it's it's just been an incredibly interesting and exciting you know two months of off season just kind of watching how this develops and watching how we all kind of have um you know, have have kind of followed this, you know, and then you know the excitement and the the continuous uh, what do you call it? A speculation, I guess, for lack of a better term. Like every time a new name hits the market, everyone's going, "Well, do we want him? Are we going for him? Are we getting him?" And and you know, it's it's just it's like it, it's it's just a compressed sort of joy almost to watch people react.
0: It is, yeah. I mean, guys, hold a good thought for you know Kentucky. Uh, you know, it's been it's been rough for them. Only seven scholarship players currently. Um, you know, some, some rough times in Lexington. So let's, uh, you know, pour one out for, for (laughs) Kentucky. Um, all right, here's what we have in store this week. Segment one, we've got a loaded set of Hoosier headlines, including uh, all those big 10 stay or go decisions that you guys talked about. Uh, and then we're going to have a little fun talking lineup combinations, uh, with this rebuilt Indiana roster. And then with whatever time we have left, we will dive into the mailbag, all of that coming this week on assembly call radio, but first let's talk about our presenting sponsor. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, this edition of Assembly Call Radio, just like all shows on the Back Home Network, presented by our friends at Home Field Apparel, where they have the largest collection of vintage IU apparel that you're going to find anywhere, and what's great about Home Field Apparel, it's not just IU, it's not just the Big Ten, they've got apparel from colleges and universities across the country, which makes it a great place to stop and shop for yourself, to stop and shop for friends, because they really do have something for everybody, and... You know, as you know, their whole business model is going into the archives of these different schools and universities and pulling out, uh, you know, these logos and brand marks that haven't been used in years, decades, centuries, even, uh, and breathing new life into them. They print them on the most comfortable materials. You got T-shirts, crewnecks, hoodies, jackets, hats. They just continue to expand. And I just saw a tweet from them that they just found, uh, I think, a box or two more of the IU bomber jackets. So those are going to be going back up on the site. So there's always something, you know, subscribe to their email list, follow them on Twitter. They're always coming out with, you know, school refreshes, launching new schools. Uh, It's just, they're a great company. We really appreciate their support and we love supporting them. So we highly encourage you to go to homefieldapparel.com and use our promo code home, H-O-M-E. That'll get you 15% off your first order. But also again, keep your eyes peeled on the email list and their app because they always have deals that are coming out. Uh, you know, maybe a 20% off flash sale here or there. So there's always ways to save, but go to homefieldapparel.com, use that promo code home, and you will get the best college apparel that you will find anywhere. Again, the website homefieldapparel.com, wear one for the team. All right, guys, let's roll through some Hoosier headlines here. Uh, First of all, Thomas Bryant, Victor Oladipo, Cody Zeller, all in the NBA finals. I mean, Victor is hurt. Thomas isn't exactly getting a whole lot of playing time, but I do believe Cody Zeller has already seen the floor uh, tonight if I read the chat comments correctly. Uh, so Cody out there doing his best to uh, to try and contain Nikola Jokic. Um, so, you know, good for those guys. Wish them all, uh, obviously, a lot of luck. And for Victor, wish him, uh, you know, a, a quick recovery from his latest injury. Um, Kalil Ware was selected to participate in USA Basketball's Under-19 Men's National Team Training Camp. Uh, so he will go through that process and see if he gets selected for the team. Did see today that he arrived in Bloomington. Saw that Gabe Cups arrived in Bloomington. Ja'Kai Newton arrived a couple days ago. So guys are getting on campus uh, and getting ready to prepare for summer workouts. Speaking of that, Mackenzie uh ends up at number 10 on the RSCI index, which basically takes 24-7 and all the other rating services and compiles them into one rating. He was the top recruit in the Big Ten this year at number 10. Uh, other names that you will recognize, Xavier Booker, number 14, Cohen Carr, number 26. They are both going to Michigan State. Deshaun Harris-Smith, who Indiana was interested in at one time, number 30, going to Maryland. Jeremy Fears, Gavin Griffiths, Tayson Chapman, Devin Royal, Scott Middleton, all in the top 50, going to Michigan State, Rutgers and Ohio State, uh, respectively, Uh, Gabe Cups and Ja'Kai Newton just missed the cut. Uh, Gabe was number 92 at 24-7. Ja'Kai was number 115 at 24-7. They did not make the RSCI index, but they're just on the outside uh, looking in. But, hey, always nice when you have the top-rated recruit in the conference, and that is what Indiana has with Mackenzie Mbacco. And then we got some interesting news in terms of guys Indiana may be pursuing in the transfer portal uh, when... Does anybody know how to pronounce uh, this gentleman's last name? Because I don't want to butcher it. And I I tried, but I couldn't quite get the pronunciation. Mike Shurajam. Sorry, if he becomes a Hoosier, I promise I will get it right. I think that's why everybody calls him Mongolian Mike. Uh, The first player from Mongolia to play college basketball in the United States. He's a freshman from Dayton. Had put his name in the NBA draft. Took it out. Was also in the transfer portal. And so he's down to Indiana... And four other schools, although at this time, it's a little uncertain how serious Indiana is. They've kind of done some groundwork, it sounds like, to put themselves in position. And this is a guy, you know, 6'8", you know, skinny, will obviously need to get in the weight room, but has a lot of really intriguing perimeter skills and athletic ability. Uh, And so he is an intriguing name. So he's just one to have on the radar screen um, to keep your eye on. But we'll track that and see, uh, you know, how serious Indiana actually is about pursuing him. Tony, any of those uh, notes pique your interest, or that you uh, that you have any thoughts on before we talk Big
2: Ten stay go decisions? Sure, yeah. In terms of uh, you know what you mentioned with the RSCI index, you know having the best player in the conference, I believe that's two years running now, right? Um, I think Jalen Hodgefina was number best yes. in the conference last year coming in. Yes. Um, you know that's that's uh, big time, uh, obviously for for what Mike Woodson's doing on the recruiting trail. Um, you know, this This was kind of looked at as a, a down class, if you will, for Indiana, and are still bringing in the best player in the conference, at least on paper, um, which is, is also all, obviously a good thing. Um, I think it's Sheriff Yamps, is was how I heard him. I, I was watching some film on him yesterday, yeah. um, and it sounded like I was, that's how the announcers were saying his name, but, um, I could be wrong too. Uh, but anyway, uh, I think he's super skilled uh, basketball player. He's six eight, one eighty 180 uh, is what he was listed at at Dayton. Um, you know, that, that frame just wouldn't be able to sustain big 10 play night in night out. If, if he's still at that one eighty mark, um, you know, I mentioned in a, a discord group that we're all in um, that, you know, if, if he is put on some weight, I'd be intrigued on in what he could become. At IU, because of the skill that he has, because he, he is very skilled, um, you know, he he his shot is pure. Didn't shoot it at a super great percentage last season, but not bad got for a, good a freshman, looking... though. Exactly, and he got a good looking stroke. Um, his passing ability, twenty one percent assist rate, is great. Sometimes tries to hit the home run a little too often, so his turnover rate was also high. But um, I'm with you. Everything I've heard uh, about him is that IU's done some groundwork, but they're they're also kind of mulling, you know, some of these guys that just came back to school yesterday but didn't necessarily say they're going back to the school they were at previously. Um so kind of seems like a backup plan. I did see from Draft Express that uh Mongolian Mike had said that he wanted to make his decision this week. To me that would seem to take IU out of the running. That that's not me reporting anything, that's just me speculating. Um but you never know. Uh the portal's crazy. So um you know, interesting. Uh, you know, I, I tweeted yesterday that I was going to do a, a thread on him. And then as I started diving in a little bit more, I was like, eh, I'm going to wait until wait on we that see one. how serious yeah, <laughs> <laughs> IU is. Yeah. And we'll spend more time doing
0: scouting reports and stuff like that. You know, he's a freshman. I don't think you necessarily get him to have a huge impact next season. I think you would want him on probably a developmental path for a couple of years, both physically and with the shot and some of those things. But, you know, Bob, Mongolian Mike kind of fits the profile that Broad Ripple Mike likes to use when building teams, which is a lot of length and versatility. Um, you know, so it just the interest, I think, gives us kind of one more data point on the kinds of players that Indiana is looking to target.
1: Yeah, and I, I, with, with Mike in particular, I'm not really sure, you know, again, back to Tony's point, 180 pounds. I graduated high school 180 pounds. I was skinny as all get out and I'm nine inches shorter. (laughs) So, I mean, I don't, I don't know. A a stiff, a stiff fall breeze in Bloomington can take him out to maybe Nashville. I mean, I may get him in my front lawn if I'm not careful in Columbus, but he's, I'm always kind of cautious when I see a kid release a top five like that, where it just kind of smacks me out of the blue. And this is pure speculation on my part, whereas like conversations are, are happening maybe, you know, not really sure how this how this is working is in, in a sort of rapid se- segment but a kid like mike may be going you know what i talked to indiana they're on my top 5 so i'm really interested um, you know yeah. let's 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 see if the hoosiers will you know continue and you know he and you know, not saying that he's not going to end up here or where he's going to end up but yeah it, it's just it's kind of it, it it was one of those kind of caught me a little bit all, uh, out of the blue just kind of seeing where he is again clearly a very skilled player I'm of the opinion, I mean, I don't see him supplanting really anybody for playing time this year, um, maybe the year after, but um, it's definitely kind of showing, again, back to this thing that Mike Woodson likes length. He likes guys, skill, versatile guys who are long, uh, in many respects, lean, can be very disruptive on the defensive end, can do multiple things on the offensive end uh again we anytime you get a kid who's 6'8 who passes the ball like this kid does you know you 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 definitely take a second look you know you're not just going to be like well hard pass you know if he if there's if there's a way to get him in and get some development i i have no no issues there i'd also like to add you know having coel Ware as a um on, on the you know, on the u19 you know tryouts that Anymore, the way international basketball and the way USA basketball does what they do, it, it's, it's I think, more indicative of what a player is going to do long term than almost any other indicator because the amount of research that goes into deciding who the next, you know, the next amateur or the next international players are going to be for this country, the amount of development that they put into the international game in particular um it's pretty remarkable and you know for him it's he's gonna be playing against the best of the best of the best in that age group over the you know during that during that process and so you can just you can kind of just we'll get a better indication of what he's able to do but also be able to see that here's where his ceiling really may lie and really kind of give a good baseline as we start off with him coming to IU.
0: Yeah, you know, maybe don't write off a 7-1 guy with versatility who was a top 10 recruit just because he struggled one year as a freshman far away from home. Maybe maybe give that guy Mm -hmm. some benefit of the doubt. So, yes, Mm -hmm. I agree with you. Um, Okay, the last headline that we're going to talk about, and we're going to hit this briefly, but we promise we're going to be revisiting this a lot in the offseason as we preview the Big Ten. But we don't want to dive into it too much yet just because we don't have all the full rosters. But... We did get some huge news this week on guys who had put their name in the NBA draft, got some feedback, and then just either decided to stay or go. So I'm sure you've probably heard most of these names. Zach Eady coming back to Purdue. Terrence Shannon and Coleman Hawkins coming back to Illinois. A.J. Hogard and Jaden Aikens coming back to Michigan State. Kasei Tolmanaga coming back to Nebraska. Now, we already knew that Boo Booey was coming back to Northwestern and Cliff Omori, uh going back to Rutgers. And then guys who are leaving – Most guys that we expected, Jet Howard, Kobe Bufkin, Bryce Sensabaugh, Chris Murray, all staying in. We expected that. Chase Audige from Northwestern, I think, somewhat of a surprise uh, that he's leaving. Uh, And, you know, really is, I think, a big loss for a Northwestern team that was really keyed by that backcourt. And even though he was an inconsistent shooter, you know, really did a lot for them in terms of, you know, defense and steals and just really made it tough for opposing guards. Yeah. So, you know, real quick, Tony, as you hear those names, any surprises there or or any that you in particular want to comment on in terms of how it will affect the Big Ten next year?
2: Yeah, I'm with you. I I thought Adige was an interesting one. Um, You know, he he seemed somewhat of like a Jekyll and Hyde for Northwestern last season. I mean, he could shoot them in games and, um, you know, against IU, he almost shot him out of it uh, after a big lead. So um, obviously must have gotten good feedback on his skill set. Um, from NBA folks or you know or just thought hey it's time to time to go but that one was interesting and then uh, Edie was interesting to me um, just because it seemed like there was a lot of positive feedback coming from what he was able to do at some of his pro days in the combine and things like that sounded like he was able to move his feet a little bit better than folks thought Um, you know he was hitting uh, obviously you know set shots from the same spot is obviously a lot different than game shots but was hitting three-pointers from out there so That one was interesting. You know, it's somebody that I I anticipated coming back, coming into the portal season. Um, And then as I started reading more and more, it sounded like people were talking, hey, this might be a late first-rounder into like mid-40s. Sounded like he ultimately was looking for a two-year guarantee from some team um, in order to stay in and and ultimately didn't get that. Um, But, you know, it would be interesting uh, what that means for the rest of the Big Ten. Obviously, Purdue was very good last season in the regular season. Um, But, you know, what I also want to point out is that their last 12 games of the year, they were seven and five. Um, And so it's kind of one of those things where did people kind of figure out how to play them? And does that mean, you know, they basically got their whole roster back. Is that necessarily a good thing or a bad thing um, for them? So obviously, like you said, we'll talk a lot about those things as the year goes on, but um, you know, just intrigued by that.
0: Yeah. My only request is now that Edie's back, can we please move beyond the he's just tall nonsense. Like, yes, he's a little he's bit limited tall as an offensive player, and- but <laughs> yeah. I just like, it, it's just really, it. I mean, it's just dumb analysis, I think. Like the guy can do a lot of things. He's not just tall. Um, so I just, I would like for us to be able to move beyond that. We can root against him and talk trash against them, but let's at least make it an intelligent basketball conversation, please. Um, Bob, your thoughts on the stay or go also Paul McKay, from Rutgers, for some reason, it took like a day for it to get out, but he's coming back as well. Um, you know, which is good. Cause really, I mean, if he would have stayed in the NBA, he really would have been tripping uh, to make that decision. So
1: <laughs> I think, excuse me, you got me on that one. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I think Tom is a happy man, to be perfectly honest. I think he is, yeah. you know, with, 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 with um, Hogart and Aiken coming back. I mean, that's just, that, that's big for his, pro, you know, big for his program, big for his chances going into next year with what he has coming in as well. You know, he's putting together a big 10 championship caliber team um, back to, you know, again, we're just briefly hit on the ED, you know, thought was, you know, the drama leading up to it yesterday was very really interesting to kind of watch that, well, will he, you know, will he stay? Will he go? And, you know, trying to figure out well, what's, per, what would Purdue, it was kind of fun for me to play the game. What would Purdue actually do if Zach Eadie said, I'm going pro, you know, at this point, where does Purdue go from a mindset, from their mindset, how, you know, the, you know, the philosophies on the offensive and defensive ends because they just seem to be so dependent on that very gifted sort of unicorn post player that really nobody else in the country is using in that sort of way, the way that Purdue's using them. Um, So it's going to be interesting to watch kind of Purdue develop, you know, in recruiting over the next couple of seasons, as well as, you know, how they're going to play next year. Because I think Tony hit the nail on the head. Um, Their guards are good, but their guards are not athletic in the same sense as most of your contending programs. If you look at the top 10, one of these things does not look like the other and Purdue's backcourt kind of jumps out at you there. And if, you know, they, it, depending on how their schedule looks next year, which is going to be a tougher big 10 schedule, it's going to be interesting to kind of watch. Can they replicate what they have without playing Nebraska twice or, you know, or that the they bottom of They couldn't have an
0: easier big 10 path. schedule than what they got last year. So oh, like literally. It's like a speed
1: bump. It was a <laughs> speed bump. And, you know, we're, uh, we're looking at a brick wall sometimes. So it's like, wait a minute. How, how this. We know how it happens. I mean, it's just, you know, luck of the draw, you know, the, you know, the rotation and all, but. Um, yeah, but I think there, there should be some really happy teams in the, you know, I, I think, um, I also think it's interesting to see, um, I mean, interesting, you know, with, you know, we knew Murray was going yep. and with Rebecca leaving Murray gone, I'm questioning kind of how Fran's going to respond, you know, without having that, 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 that one person in their, in their, in their zone press, uh, defense without having that guy, that's really just a very, very talented, big wing. And is that something IU can exploit when they're playing? I mean, I think this year IU may have the best overall big wing coming into the conference in Mbaco. And I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling to see where that's going. Same with, you know, with, with how other teams are going to kind of guard a big wing offense that IU may be putting out.
0: Yeah.
2: I, yeah speaking I mean, of Fran's team, I did see that they're final four for Grant Nelson. Um, so there could be no, – your big long wing unicorn. Boy, if I was a guy that like that,
0: if I was a guy like that, given how they feature that position, yeah. I would go there in a heartbeat. 100%. Rack up some stats. I mean, they've yeah, you know, because they they've had what three straight seasons. It was Garza, I guess for two seasons, then Keegan Murray, then Chris Murray that have just been featured and racked up all kinds of stats. So it's a good they've, you know, they've kind of got the infrastructure there, but they need that guy, which they don't have right now. As for Purdue, you know, we'll talk about them more as we go through the offseason. It really kind of feels like they need Colvin or Hyde to be an impact guy early because that gives them the kind of athletic wing they haven't had that could kind of help change the complexion of what they can do. You know, my first thought when Edie came back is, okay, that raises their floor. They're now a top five Mm -hmm. team probably in the regular season. Raises their floor for the regular season, but does it lower their ceiling for postseason? You know, it, it, it may. So we'll watch that develop. Um, here's the last thing I want to you know kind of get your guys' thoughts on here before we move on. I just kind of tried to do a real quick exercise and put the Big Ten teams into tiers. You know how they look right now. So let me give you my tiers. And again, this wasn't real scientific. I just kind of went on gut feel, kind of looking at, at the rosters and the guys they have coming back. And the rosters aren't done yet, so this could change. To me, the top tier is Michigan State and Purdue. And I think it's 1A and 1B. I think, to me, Michigan State is the clear favorite given the talent, the experience, the coach, like everything that they have. I think they're the clear favorite. I think Purdue is the clear number two right now. If you're just looking at it, regular season, kind of who do you trust the most and who has the fewest question marks for regular season? I look at it like that. The next tier to me are teams that clearly have talent. Some of it is new talent that is unproven but they've got the ceiling to win or compete for a Big Ten title. I've got Indiana at the top of that tier, Illinois, Maryland, Wisconsin, Ohio State. Wisconsin doesn't profile from the talent perspective, but they've just got a lot of good Wisconsin dudes back, and we've learned enough to not discount them, so I had to throw them in there. And I kind of reluctantly put Rutgers in there because they've got Mulcahy, they've got Omaruyi, they've got a top 50 freshman coming in. And I just feel like the way they've beaten us, I should probably give them some respect. Although I could see them going in the next tier, which I have Iowa and Michigan. And they're kind of here because they're not done building their rosters yet. So they've got some good players, but they just don't have really a go-to guy or they're missing some things. So they could jump up, but if they don't make any big moves, that's kind of where I see them. And then at the bottom is Northwestern, Nebraska, Penn State, Minnesota, kind of in that order where Northwestern and Nebraska have some interesting pieces but I still don't really trust them, and they lost some key guys off their team from last year. And Minnesota and Penn State, I think, are clearly the bottom of the Big Ten, just based on you know continuity, talent, all that stuff. What do you guys think of that? Anything kind of out of bounds there? Do you feel especially strong about you know one of those teams that should be in a different tier? Uh,
2: Tony, you first. Uh, is this uh, regular season like Big Ten tiers? Yeah, I'm this- just
0: talking about I'm just talking about Big Ten Big Ten play.
2: Yeah. Um, You know, I, I think Indiana has a roster that may not necessarily be built for Big Ten play or, or winning a Big Ten title, but might have the second highest ceiling beside Michigan State in terms of postseason potential. Um, and so it, it's it, it always gets kind of cloudy for me when I start talking Big Ten and, and postseason because it's such vastly different styles of play, which yeah. that could be its own show in and of itself um you know just talking about that but I don't think anything that you said is out of bounds I think Michigan if they don't get some more pieces they're gonna really struggle um
0: if you haven't looked at Michigan's roster like what (laughs) they have it is bad right now like they don't even really have a team yet it's kind of crazy yeah
2: it's bad I I love watching Ant Wright uh on Twitter just kind of (laughs) kind of yeah I mean, least
0: Kentucky but, at least has the best recruiting class in the country coming in you know correct. so they can mm-hmm. just throw those five guys out there Michigan whoo
2: it's it's oh, ugly man. I mean and you know <laughs> as we noted it's not it's not done um but if it's not I would move them down to that bottom tier you know Nebraska is intriguing to me you know it's kind of like I thought Hoiberg was a grand slam hire for them um but now he's in year five or six yeah. I mean he's he's been there a while um it hasn't really made much noise so I'm kind of interested on this is if this is like a make or break year um you know they lost Grizzle and Walker yeah that's
0: you look at it and it's like we you know what yeah, are they doing
2: around and yeah. you know and they that's a program you know they fired Tim Miles and he made an NCAA tournament and like he was kind of turning that thing around so I you know I don't see them being too terribly patient with Hoyberg. Um, so I, I kind of feel like there might be some inks there and maybe, I don't know, maybe he pulls a rabbit out of his hat and kind of gets a mid tier big 10 team and takes him to the tournament and kind of saves his job. But, um, you know, I, I don't really like Rutgers roster, um, but I didn't this past season either. <laughs> um, and, and <laughs> they all I just, just kind of trust
0: Michael, honestly. <laughs> yeah,
2: absolutely. You know? Um, I will say it's, it had been a little bit of fun watching their fan base somewhat melt down. The last couple of weeks, uh, you know, as guys are decommitting and and things like that. But, I, you know, I, I'm pretty much on par with with where you're at um, in terms of the outlook for next season. Um, you know, I think the way you kind of split up tiers makes a lot of sense.
0: There's a part of me that wanted to put Bob Indiana kind of at number three on our own, because I, I do think we clearly have the second most talent and we have a potential first team all big 10 point guard. And I know there's some other holes and question marks. But, you know, I, I feel strongly about that. Now, if Illinois can get a point guard, I think, you know, you probably put them up there too. Um, but I, I, I kind of agree with you, Tony. I feel like this, there's going to be a lot of ups and downs for this Indiana team because you got young guys, you got a lot of new guys, but it does feel like a team that could really hit its stride by February and March um, and that profiles to be, you know, almost more well-suited to tournament play than the grind of Big Ten play. We'll see. Bob, any uh, final thought on this? Any, uh, yeah. any strong feelings?
1: No, I, I I think it hit the tiers almost uh, perfectly. the the one the one thing I will say, and I will eat these words glad- and not gladly in six months when it doesn't come to fruition, but um, every year I look at Wisconsin, and I go, water's got to find its level, and it kind of did last year to a certain degree. It really, it really did. And I'm not, I mean, I'm never really too sold on Wisconsin. I'd almost be like putting them in that third tier, along maybe with Rutgers at this point. And then you get into Big Ten play, and you're going, how they pull that one out? How did this one happen? And so it's just gonna be interesting to see if, if this is a year where if Wisconsin has another year like they did kind of last year, where it's they're they're kind of in that lower part of the of the bottom pack. It'll be it it may just be something of well, the question. There will be well, what does Greg Gard do next? You know yeah. does does he change his approach? Because maybe the Dick Bennett to Bo Ryan approach has worked there since the late 90s is just run its course. Um, but no, I, and, and I'm, I'm really, I'm really interested to see, you know, how, how I you, you know, how I you kind of just starts off, but really it's to me, I'm thinking it's not where we're starting it's where we're finishing. And I keep going back to that thought in my head that where they're I'm interested to see us this team March 1st as excited as, as excited as there will be to see them November 1st. I'm really excited to see them March 1st and see where they've grown, how they've developed and can and I'm you know can this team figure out you know can they play together effectively and find their roles and find their mojo at the time when it means the most?
0: Yeah well said, all right coming up here on assembly call radio it is time to take a closer look at the roster that Mike Woodson has built. and what are some of the most interesting lineup combinations that we're curious to see on the court not who we think is going to start, just that we're curious to see. there's some interesting combos stick
1: with us in assembly call. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their
2: skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact.
0: All right. Thanks to everybody who is here live uh, watching Cody Zeller and the heat on one screen and then watching us on the other. We uh, We appreciate it. I kind of thought Miami would jump out to an early lead since they've played four games since Denver last played, but Denver's up by 17 because their offense is unstoppable. Elite. Like, what would you do? What what would you do to stop to guard Denver? (laughs) You know, like...
2: (laughs) Ask ask somebody smarter than me.
0: (laughs) Yeah, like, really, like, what do you do with Jokic and Murray besides clone OG Ananobi? Like... And then that's, you got Porter out there. I mean, it's really watching them play offense has just been so much fun.
2: Well, yeah. And then when Gordon's seven for nine with fourteen points tonight, like th- that's impossible. Like yeah. Jokic just mm-hmm. shot three shots, made them all. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. He's amazing. Man. Ten points in so his <laughs> <laughs> I,
1: the, the 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 best defense to get them score more points try to find a yeah. way you know just yeah that it's it's just just you know lace up and go because and for Miami, i think that,
2: they're gonna struggle to do that
1: yeah, yeah this this not not a matchup that's good for them yeah in that regard that is true all right uh let's hop into this tony let's talk
0: newsletter off the top perfect here we go um <clears throat>
1: hi it's thomas bryant what's the only thing better than being kentucky in the ncaa tournament celebrating it with friends afterwards join jared andy ryan and coach after every iu basketball game go hoosiers
0: also making the nba finals pretty cool which thomas bryant is doing you make the nba finals you get your uh, your intro played on the assembly call so good luck to thomas uh welcome back to the assembly call i'm jared morris here with the coach, Tony Adranya, no matter what idiots on Twitter say, he's still a coach to us, damn it. Uh, and then, <laughs> and, then uh, and coach Bob Motz, appreciate both you guys being here. Uh, and Tony, we have a fun little announcement here, uh, kind of a, a soft launch of something that we're doing. Uh, for a long time, we've had our free email newsletter, uh, which folks have you know been able to, to get at join.assemblycall.com and you know, that comes with our weekly Six Banner Sunday, you know, kind of news roundup. And then I would always, you know, send out occasional uh, stuff. And then we have our community, uh, you know, our, our paid premium community, which your IU film room has been a part of now for the last, what, year and a half, I think, or mm-hmm. or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and just, you know, incredible content that you put out with, you know, breakdowns of sets Indiana runs or breakdowns of prospects, really in-depth video work that just, Allows IU fans to kind of have a more educated, insightful view and just kind of understand at a little bit of a deeper level what's going on from a basketball perspective. Uh, Because I think, you know, you're really good at breaking that stuff down into simple terms that people are able to understand. We've never really had something in between there. It was like, okay, you can get on the free newsletter or you can get the community and get all of that stuff. Um, And I think we kind of realized. Well, there's some people in the middle that may not want the community experience, but for a lesser price might want to get your content. And so we're starting a premium paid newsletter. Uh, You can learn more about it at iufilmroom.com. You can go, it's up, you can start with it right now. And there's actually a a 20% uh, launch discount, which we're going to run for maybe this week and next week until kind of this launch phase is over. But basically we want to Provide your IU Film Room content to those folks who subscribe to the premium newsletter. So it doesn't come with the community access, but if you just want Tony's in-depth content, which is going to feature and I'll hand this over to you, you know, in just a second, so you can kind of uh, you know explain more about what you have planned. But from you know kind of general basketball 101 and 201 content to hey, here are the sets Indiana's running, it's going to be in there. There's going to be regular emails, and I think it'll just kind of enrich. The fan experience by having that Um, so if you go to iufilmroom.com you can get the basics you can get started we'll probably start sending those emails next week or the week after something like that Um, i'm really excited about this though because your content is so good and every time you post something in the community i'm like damn i wish everybody else could get this because it's so good (laughs) And it just, it makes the conversation better. Like, you know, for me, someone who, you know, who's in there in the community, it makes the conversation so much better when people start from the framework of this education that you've given them. And, you know, now we're kind of all on, you know, kind of more, more of a similar level talking about this stuff. So let me kick it over to you and kind of what you're envisioning for that, because you'll be writing most of the emails and I'll chime in every now and then with some statistical analysis um but a lot of it's going to be your stuff and I can't wait to be able to share this with more IU fans and assembly call audience members.
2: Absolutely. And you know, this is something that that we've obviously been talking about for for quite some time together uh in doing and you know, now is finally a great time for launch, you know, with content planned and things in place, but you know, more so than anything, I absolutely love the game of basketball. Um, you know, so much so that I've I've, I'm coaching a sixth grade AAU basketball team right now, which um, if if that doesn't scream how much you love the game and hate yourself, uh, then, no, I'm kidding. I love my team. But, um, you know, I, it, it's in film work and that, that type of thing, it's always something that when I've coached that I've really thrown myself into. Even when I was like the freshman coach at Southport High School, you know, I, I many times got tasked with scouting reports and film work, um, you know, after I proved myself because our head coach really liked the work that I did and I loved doing it. Um, you know, and, and, you know, just helped me see the game at a different level. You know, they always say the eye in the sky doesn't lie. And so, you know, that's really where, um, now that I don't coach high school basketball anymore because of jobs and kids and things, this IU film room has been kind of where I can scratch that itch. Um, and, in doing that, it does take a lot of time, um, you know, to, to do these things and, and I absolutely love it. Um, and, um, I don't know where I was going with that, but with that said, I'm super excited about this email because it'll be very thorough and I'll be able to dive into things at a, at a deep level, but because it's, you know, we're looking at a weekly cadence, I'll be able to, to do a lot of different things and talk about a lot of different things. Um, or dive deeper on like, let's say one player or what one player did in one particular game, or even, you know, you could look at one play and how it all developed. Like there's so many different things that you can look through, um, that I'm going to be diving into deep. Um, you know, and and then just what we have planned for this summer, uh, you know, we've got looking back at, at the 22, 23 season, looking at, at sets, um, you know, the common sets I, you ran, um, diving into each player, what worked for them, what jumps do they need to make, what jumps will they probably not be able to make because there's limitations on their their skill sets, and um, you know there's if you follow me on Twitter, you know I, I do threads oftentimes of just like when a prospect is visiting and things like that. I would say like that on steroids is what to kind of expect if you haven't consumed my film room content um, outside of Twitter um cuz that's where a lot of my like lower tier stuff i guess lives um and i'll I'll still continue to do the, that stuff on twitter but you know just a deeper dive film room you you want a deeper look at just x's and o's um in general in terms of basketball that's what this is going to be all about and uh, i'm super excited um you know i'll do it if there's one subscriber or 20,000 subscribers i would love for there to be 20,000 but i'm going to do this regardless um because i love basketball and i love iu and i love breaking down their film but the more people that can consume it i think what what i can do is educate just of a deeper a little bit of a deeper level than maybe you had previously and that's the value that i think it'll bring the iu fan base
0: bob has promised to subscribe so we will get at least one subscriber because bob bob will be on there (laughs) yeah and it's you know look with a paid newsletter comes accountability and a certain level of professionalism that is expected. And that's how we want to treat this. Um, And so that's, that's what we're going to do. So go to iufilmroom.com. You can sign up now. If you have any issues with it, uh, let us know. Um, But we'll probably have that launch discount, which will be locked in for the lifetime of the newsletter, um, you know, for the next two weeks or so. So hop on there. If you're in the community already, you don't need to get on the newsletter because you already get this content community members get this we wanted to expand this out for non-community members so we'll talk about it more moving forward we'll probably send out some emails about it next week but we just wanted to give you a heads up on it here uh and i mean i'm just so excited you know tony it was one of those things we kind of went through the season it's like we want more people to see this how do we get this to more people so this was the solution i think it's a good one i hope it's a good one you can give us your feedback on that but uh excited to get that out there um so with that said Let's talk about rosters uh, and lineups because, you know, Tony, you're not supposed to talk about secret discord groups, uh, which you mentioned earlier, but we are, uh, we, uh, some of us are in a discord and we'd like to go back and forth on these lineup combinations and kind of nerd out on what Indiana
2: can be next year.
0: Hey, full um, disclosure,
2: I'm in like six of them, so they're, no, they're, no, they're not secrets are, anymore.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, so you look at the roster, and you know the way that I kind of look at it. Indiana has two primary ball handlers, and Xavier Johnson and Gabe Cups. You got a whole bunch of wings, and Trey Galloway, Mackenzie Mbaco, C.J. Gunn, Caleb Banks, Ja'Kai Newton, Anthony Walker, and Anthony Leal that all bring different skills to the table. Uh, and then you've got bigs: Kalel Ware, Malik Renew, and Peyton Sparks. That's twelve guys. Obviously, then with the scholarship open. I think if you asked most IU fans right now, what will the starting lineup look like? I think the odds-on favorite to to start would be Xavier Johnson, Trey Galloway, Mackenzie Mbako, Malik Renu, and Kalel Ware. Um, you know, we'll see what happens. Um, you know, and the starting lineup only matters so much. But what I think has a lot of us intrigued. And to be fair, we often get intrigued by this in the off season when you know theoretical lineup combinations sound better than they end up actually looking in February. But it does actually feel like this roster has the potential to be more versatile and multiple and malleable based on what Indiana is facing. You know, kind of the strength of Indiana the last couple of seasons has also been its weakness, which is they did a few particular things outstandingly well. But if they were in the wrong matchup or those things weren't working, there weren't lots of plans B or C or D that you could trust I think with this year's roster and Bob, correct me if I, if you disagree, you know, I don't think we have the plan a, that maybe you trust as much as Indiana's had before, but it's really easy to see what plan B, C and D might be, um, you know, and so that is, you know, it's a little bit scary and I think it's why there's some uncertainty, but it's also very intriguing for what, for what this team could be. Do you agree with that general assessment of the roster as we
1: kind of, as an overview, I, I do. I do. I, I think you know. You, you looked at last year, and you know. I think. It, I think the one thing is clear that you know, especially initially, Xavier Johnson will be. If IU needs something, the the, the guy they'll be trusted to create initially will be XJ. They'll find ways of getting him in that position. Past that, I really can't tell you how it's going to look. I'm I'm racking my brain on what big wings look like. You know, when you look at that starting lineup, I keep thinking. You know, how do you play two fours together? I've been thinking about it for a year, you know, but it, it there's, there's not that definitive. You know, like last year going into this, we figured XJ and, and Trace Jackson Davis obviously would be Trace Jackson Davis option one, XJ and TJD and, and two man game, and everybody else just kind of falling into place. We figured Jalen Hoods would eventually kind of run into that where you have multiple options playing in those areas. But no, I don't, I don't, I don't think you have that same. Okay. And if you're running a scouting report, in the first game of the season against Indiana, where do you focus? I think it's a hard question of, okay, we just kind of kind of feel them out and see what they're up to, maybe through the first four, three to five games, as they're trying to feel out what they're trying to do, where they're, you know, where where they are. And as Woodson plays with lineups and the like, like we're going to be talking about here in a minute. Um, but no, I, I think it's, I I think that this, there's more versatility in those three, four and five score positions. And I think that's true. Going maybe nine, even ten deep for IU than what we saw the last two seasons, and definitely the last I'd say six. Yeah. So it, it it's exciting in that area.
0: Yeah. So let's let's jump in here. Um, you know, I'm curious to hear, you know, what kind of lineups are just intriguing to you. And again, these these aren't like here, we think this should be the starting or closing lineup. These are just lineups that we're kind of intrigued by because they have potential. And it's important to note like, I think we have a pretty good idea what we're gonna get out of X. You know, we hope it's maybe a little bit higher efficiency than than what he's been before. But X has a long track record. We know who he is. Who is Kalel Ware? Who is second year Malik Renew? Because we've heard there's a lot of things in his game that we haven't seen yet that, you know, he saw at Montverde that we haven't seen. What is McKenzie Mbako going to be as a freshman? Does CJ Gunn step up and become a reliable shooter? Trey Galloway, I feel like we have a pretty good idea of who he is. Not that he can't add elements to his game, but he's probably the other guy that you know what you're going to get. What's Caleb Banks going to be? How ready are Gabe Cups and Ja'Kai Newton? So, you know, there's so many questions, and so I just want to preface it, you know, by saying that there's a lot of intrigue. Once the games start, we'll kind of know. Okay, it does. Can Khalil Ware actually shoot? Because lineups sound good when you have him out there as a potential floor spacer. You know, we'll have to see if that actually happens. So we get all of that. Just wanted to offer those caveats up front. But now let's just have a little bit of fun. Put all the questions aside. Let's just have fun talking about some lineups because there's a lot of really interesting pieces. So, Tony, I know we all kind of created some lineups here. Tony, you go first with one that especially intrigues you.
2: This wasn't necessarily one that intrigued me, but one that I think we're going to have to see just because of IU being in the Big Ten. I think it's I called it my Big Ten lineup. It's Xavier Johnson, Gabe Cups, Trey Galloway, Malik Renew, and Peyton Sparks. Um, oh boy, and you know, just kind of two plotting bigs. Um, you know that you know Sparks is very much a back-to-basket, big body, kind of slow-footed, your traditional kind of Big Ten player. You know, um, same with Renew, and then you've got Galloway that's out there to kind of guard the best wing. Um, that that's on the floor for the opponent. And then you've got two ball handlers in Xavier Johnson and Gabe cup. So not necessarily super intriguing to me. It's actually probably the least intriguing. Um, but I think it's one that because of where the big tens at, um, that you might see Indiana have to employ every now and again.
0: So let me ask you, what is a matchup where you would see that? Cause I thought about that, but I could never bring myself to put renew and sparks in the same lineup. Because it just seemed like you're it's all I mean it's almost less than what you had with Trace and Race, and we knew the limitations those guys had. So where what what would you actually play that lineup against?
2: Um, maybe at Purdue. Um you, you might be forced to um or you know, Kalel gets in foul trouble early or uh, you know, has the flu that game. I think I feel like Trace had got sick like twice against uh Purdue in, in his four years there. But no, you know, I could see a Purdue or um, put me on the spot here. Uh, no, I mean, I, I mean, that is Wisconsin, one thing. With the perhaps.
0: Yeah. I mean, it is, you know, you do have some potential foul trouble issues there, especially, you know, we saw that with a guy like Malik. So I'm not saying you wouldn't see it. I was just curious if there was a matchup in particular, you thought that lineup could take advantage of, or if it's just one that we're going to see just because big 10 basketball is big 10 basketball.
2: Yeah. I think it's more of necessity <laughs> than, <laughs> than, um, like want to, all
0: right, Bob. What is a, a lineup that intrigues you?
1: One one that I keep thinking of is uh, it would be uh, start with XJ, CJ, Gun, Caleb Banks, and then Mbako and Renew playing maybe the five spot. And I kind of throw that out from a stand. You know, I, I kind of think of what do you do with Caleb Banks. You know, as one of those bigger wings, and do you kind of move? You know, how 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 if and really how. When you're trying to segment your Mbako renew and wear, and you want to give them each a, a blow, a breather, and you want to give banks that time, how do you do that? And you, you you find a way to just kind of have banks moving between, for lack of a better term, that three and four spot, as well as you know, and then moving renew and wear and through that through that you know through the post position. And then putting CJ Gunn in with that, you know, one of the things that I think we've we've all kind of talked about is we love Trey Galloway, g- great glue ball player, but we're looking at 30 minute Trey Galloway is probably not where we where where everyone wants him to be, you know, on the coaching staff and across the board. And it's more or less at that point we then realize that a CJ Gunn or Jekai Newton has kind of stepped into that role more, um, you know. And so when you kind of look at, you know cj being able to kind of step in there and play you know the maybe that you know from that 16 minute or that 12 minute mark to the to the four minute mark of the second half you know can we get that sort of you know get get offensive production out of him and then even uh looking at you know when it's time for xj to take a breather also you know, Gabe cups would cups and with cups and gun play well together and throwing them into that, to that equation, but really kind of thinking about how they use both of those players and they use them in concert together, knowing there's also a good chance that the two of them will be playing together, whether they're starting or they're coming off the bench for really the next three seasons, we're hoping.
0: One of the things that becomes immediately clear, as soon as you start playing with lineup permutations is that CJ gun is clearly the X factor. Because I find myself always wanting to put him in the lineup because as that kind of theoretical knockdown shooter at the two, he just fits with so many lineups. We have to see, you know, if he's ready for that. A lot of us have confidence in him and think that that leap is there. Um, But that really becomes clear because if he becomes a reliable scorer at that spot, it unlocks a lot of different things for this team. And that's not a knock on Trey because there's a lot of lineups Mm -hmm. where Trey is going to be valuable and CJ and Trey can play together. Um, but you know, CJ's development is just obviously huge this season. Um, so one of the lineups for me that I'm really intrigued by is kind of the length and speed lineup. You know, if you're playing against some bigger teams and you just really want to suffocate someone defensively, obviously X is going to play. Then you throw Caleb Banks out there with his, you know, six, seven and length. Anthony Walker, the transfer goes out there, uh, you know, again, another tall, long athletic defender, Kalil Ware to defend the rim. And then at that two spot, really it's, you know, if CJ is the shooter, we hope he can be, he could slot in there or Mbako could slot in there as a guy. You probably don't want to play him too often at the two in kind of a secondary ball handling position. But if you have X, I mean, X can handle all the ball handling duties when he's out there. So I don't worry about that. But now you're going six three potentially six eight six seven six eight seven one, athletic, switchable, and guys who you know have proven themselves to be good defenders. I mean that for Big Ten teams that are a little bit slower and more plodding, what do you do against that lineup defensively? You know, and again, I think it's it's limited enough offensively that you wouldn't want it to be out there too long. Um, but boy. That that could really be devastating defensively. And I think that's what really starts to get interesting. And that's not even having Trey Galloway out there. And you would think, well, why isn't Trey in a defensive lineup? Well, as good of a defender as Trey is, there are certain matchups that he can struggle with. And so this should be one if you're facing a little bit more athleticism and length, you can counter with this. There's no one in the Big Ten that can match that. You know, so so that one intrigues me. I just I think there's a ton of defensive versatility uh and transition. I mean that team's gonna be able to get out and transition and just beat everybody down the court. Um so I'm I'm definitely intrigued by that one. Tony?
2: Yeah I uh, I kind of had a very similar one but I kind of took a page out of like Miami's book um where you know their tallest guy in the court was six eight and I actually went with one that was XJ, Gunn, Newton, Mbako at the four and Walker at the five. Um very small athletic lineup um, that you're still going to have some length out there, um, to be able to defend, but it's like everybody's the same size and you're, you're a tough matchup and you're just running and gunning. Um, so that was more of a, of one to take out of like the Miami book. Um, the Indiana will actually have a roster that could play somewhat like Miami did is exciting and intriguing to me. Um, but you know, I, I think gun is the X factor and I think, um, you know we really are probably gonna have to be really patient with newton you know he missed a lot of time playing bas uh playing basketball um and you know he's not even i think i i think actually somebody just said it in the chat um not sure that he's even 100 percent healthy quite yet um you know it was just cleared for basketball stuff and all that but um you know we're probably gonna have to be pretty patient with him a high-flying athlete that is a very skilled basketball player but but missing that valuable time um you know, is going to hurt him, you know, not to sugarcoat it or anything like that. So, uh, you know, the idea of Newton is probably better to me right now than, like, what he is in practice. Um, yeah. But, you know, people can always surprise as well. I love Ja'Kai. I think he's one of the most important
0: building blocks for the future of the team, the program. The way I'm looking at it, Bob, is I'm I'm just – I'm kind of going into this not expecting much from him as a freshman and, and yeah. just – you know, who knows? He could redshirt, you know, so I just, I'm going to be surprised if he gives us a lot. So I didn't put him in a lot of these. It's not because I don't believe in him. I think he's going to be a mm-hmm. terrific player. As I've said many times, he reminds me so much of all those guys that we saw at FAU just running circles around people in the NCAA tournament. Um, I just don't know how much we'll get from him this season. Again, you know, given that, that he didn't play. So I agree with you there, Tony. Uh, next lineup for you, Bob, and any thoughts on your so- guy as well?
1: well and and to kind of go back because i think this will second into my next lineup which is the lineup nobody wants me to talk about which is the mike woodson second you know second second line uh, lineup that i think <laughs> it's going to be <laughs> as the eyes roll and people are, no, we're not talking about it yeah we yeah maybe approach it I, I i think yeah jakai may it may be a lot like when we saw armand franklin play for iu with, with his freshman season i see mm-hmm. jakai kind of maybe filling that role and really there was a There was all the all the reason in the world for Armand to play that year that he played, and still the development wasn't wasn't there, wasn't where the program wanted him to be. And I think with Jakai, it's just gonna by getting back out on the floor, and also you you lost a year in development, you've lost a year of just of just of 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 conditioning and everything else. It may be a little bit tough for him to just come right into a here's a power five, top fifteen program. And you're going to be playing a top 15 of you're going to be playing a big boy schedule. So, you know, I'll be interested to see early in the season kind of how those first few reps look. You know, it was like when we saw Caleb Banks last year and saw him grow into the role. Um, it'll be interesting to see where Jakai kind of starts in, in those areas. So, with that in mind, I kind of look at that second, that, that second run team, you know, when, you know, and you see that bit, that, 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 that Ten minute mark. Here come the next, the last two subs for those five possessions to see it during Big Ten play, or also when we're up thirty five points in a bye game and it's you know sixteen minute mark of the second half and let's see which of these guys are going to step up and kind of develop or show who's a scorer, you know who's, who scores, who does who does the right thing on defense. Those are that 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 group. I think you see Gabe Cups, who I think is going to be spelling. Eight to ten minutes at the point guard spot for XJ, uh, a great deal. Uh, CJ again at that two, or maybe Jakai, depending on development. Um, and then you're looking at Banks, Walker, and Sparks as that as that fifth as that in those fifth positions. Although it you know it, it's also possible that you know maybe Walker doesn't play in that in that in that area, that you know you could see Banks get dumped uh, dunked down. See CJ go into that three roll and then you bring Jakai in as a two. Um, and then that's that group that comes out again, three to five possessions a game. Let's just see which guy steps up and steps into positioning and develops as um when there's not the XJs out on the floor to be able to kind of carry the load. Um so I think that second that that second line lineup early on is going to be indicative, I think, of kind of what Mike Woodson sees. And what he's thinking about?
0: Yeah, it's- I you know I I do think that is something that we'll see probably a lot in the non-conference. X's usage or, and playing time, I guess, would be the more specific word is going to be interesting to me. I feel like and hope in some of the non-conference games, obviously, he'll get plenty of rest. And there's going to be some games where he gets foul in foul trouble. But especially given how you know Mike Woodson ended up playing, you know Jalen Hutschefino and Trace Jackson Davis last year. I'm not going to be surprised if X is playing 38, 39, 40 minutes in Big Ten play because mm-hmm. he can do it, even with the load that he carries, you know, on both ends. Um, you know, and so that that's going to be interesting. But, I mean, it's, you know, all of these lineups kind of have him because he's such a linchpin, Tony.
2: Yeah, I, uh, I I created a second unit lineup as well. And I had, I had Newton in it and no Walker. Um, you know, what I've been told about Sparks and Walker is that Sparks was told to have a role – walker was told he'll have a chance to compete for a role um and so i think that's important um you know that when indiana talked with walker like look you're you're gonna have a shot you know we're not gonna guarantee you anything but i think when they talk with sparks they are like look you're gonna be our backup five um so i'm and given renews
0: foul trouble he's gonna have opportunities (laughs) malik is Mm -hmm. not gonna fix that in one off season
2: unless he goes like the zach Eady route and just goes from High, high foul rate to no foul rate real quick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll see. <laughs>
0: All right. Um, where are we at? Tony, is it your turn for a lineup?
2: Uh, sure. Okay. Um, I'll go with what I called um, a ball handling lineup, which was XJ, Cups, Galloway, uh, Mbaco, and Ware. You
0: stole um, mine. I, that was my next one. I called it the press Oh, breaker. really?
2: Yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, it's ball it's a handler, really good press one. Breaker. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And so that was that's one that that intrigues me. Um. I like the press, but your name is better, so you should you should have stayed claim to that one. Um.
0: Well, but yeah. The thing that's fun about that one, I mean, obviously you've got the ball handlers and X and Gabe and then and Trey, so that's going to make it really hard to press because you've got three guys who can break the press. But then once you break the press, what can you do with it? And with Mbako and where you just have all kinds of talent and versatility at the other end of the court to take advantage of a scrambling defense, you know, whether it's a lob to Kalel or Kalel drifts out for a three or Mbako can score at all three levels. I think that's going to be a really tough lineup for people to try and contain. Um, because that, you know, X and and Gabe are going to give you that reliable ball handling. Um, but you need someone to convert on the other end and, you know, and that's where Indiana didn't always have that, you know, if it was race Thompson you know, Miller Kopp on the other end can make a transition three, but he's otherwise kind of limited. You know, Trace obviously was a great passer and could score in the post, but wasn't always going to create something, you know, after you kind of broke the press, unless it was just a, an easy fast break layup. I think Mbako and Ware are just more multiple and how they can, you know, score the ball. What do you do? When you've got X charging at you and then those two guys back there. I think that puts the defense in a real bind. So at that, that lineup to me, and then Trey, you know, you could switch out, you know, either Trey or cups can be the second ball handler. And then you have, you know, if CJ, you know, steps up, then he could be a guy there. Um, but that kind of lineup to me is really interesting for some specific
2: situations. Yeah, absolutely. It it's a fun one um at least on paper you know here we'll be in december or january it's june it's all paper tony (laughs) exactly and uh it it is funny though because you know you could put all these like you said all these permutations together and then uh it all comes to fruition in the season and you're like what was i thinking (laughs) like how did i ever Mm -hmm. think those guys would play together or whatever the case may be but it's super fun to do june 1st
0: exactly bob let me ask you this question Um, Antonio, I want to get your thoughts on it, too. As I mentioned before, I think everybody's kind of writing, if, you know, if not in, uh, you know, maybe it's not in pen, but it's close, that Mbako, Renew, and Ware, you know, are kind of the three guys that you put in there. And I think we all acknowledge it's not perfect. Like, Mbako probably profiles as a better four than he is a three. Renew, at least based on what we've seen, probably profiles a little better as a five than a four, hmm. but you've got seven, one, you know, potential top 10 pick Khalel Ware there. So I think you kind of start with X and Kalil, you know, in your best lineups and you build from there. And Mbako and Renew are clearly the other two most talented players. And so you don't want to outthink yourself, like just get them on the court and figure it out. But how do you really see that working together? And what are your concerns you know
1: about those
0: three guys together, because we're going to see him a lot. There's no question about
1: my, it. My biggest concern will is first off renew's handle followed by Mbako's handle, and, and 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 straight line drives, especially with both of them. Some of watching renew putting the ball in the deck was a little scary at times last season. And the question is, can he work on that element of his game? knowing that he's going to be you know, probably doing you know, a lot of high post to low post movements and whatever, you know, whatever offensive schemes sets philosophy that they're running. He's a, he's a really good passer. Uh, you know, we can see if a shot develops too. I mean, he, we, we know he's got a little bit of range. We know that he's shown that in the past, but it's that ability to attack a closeout for both of those players, because if both struggle with it, then we're kind of where we were last year with both cop and thompson on the floor at the same time not saying that it's going to be exactly the same but at least on that one limited on that one element of the game i do think that both are i think both have a much higher ceiling than those players in that area but i'm, I'm more concerned about the ability for the driving the driving the ball from the wings and those you know, than i am most anything else I think defensively, uh, with their length. I mean, I was watching uh, some of um, uh, Renew playing. Um, I believe it was Miller from from Miami, and I felt like him on the perimeter. He's very he's very mobile. He's not a he's not an aircraft carrier. He he can move his feet well. And the great thing about the length is you can maybe take a step back and still be able to challenge the shot. You know, it's not like a six four guy guarding a you know a guy on the perimeter you got to take a step back you know you he he can get there and be able to alter a shot quickly quickly without having to be right up on a right up on a player in that situation and you can also do the same thing in passing lanes and the like that length is is really invaluable in those areas so i'm not as worried about them you know, i not i don't feel like i did you know a couple of years ago when it was you know justice smith trace jackson davis and joey brunk where it's like i feel like we're playing you know that you know you're playing two fives and a four we've
0: come a long way from that haven't we
1: <laughs> this ain't the and there and and i, I see it every once in a while going board and someone brings that up it's like yeah it's not the same thing this same. is a different this is a much much different group but uh it is something that um you know i think i think that 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 uh, the, the ability to drive the basketball and the ability to attack closeout is is is, is going to be something i'm looking for really early in the season
0: Tony, what do you think about the three of them together? I mean, do you buy the premise that kind of by default, those are going to be the guys that are out there because they're the most talented players, even if they don't quite fit perfectly what we envision for
2: those positions? I do think that, yeah. I think, um, you know, I think it, it makes a lot of sense. I think what we're going to find is that a lot of IU fans are going to be impressed and, and surprised at what Malik Renu can do away from the basket um, you know, at, at Verde, he was, he was showcased a, a much wider skill set than what he did last year, which, you know, isn't to put him down or anything like he was playing big 10, big boy basketball. And he went to what was really comfortable for him, which was a, a baby hook. Um, I think we're going to be impressed by what his body looks like. I, I think he had some baby fat for just lack of better term to shed, um, that, you know, I know Cliff Marshall is going to be working super hard with him on his body, um, and so that I think we're going to be impressed by, but I think people are going to be impressed by how good of a four he actually can be. And, and I do truly believe and think that he'll be just fine at the four spot, uh, Mbako, you know, it, it's hard to gauge, um, to say if he can do those things at, at the big 10 or, you know, power five level, but in high school, he's very capable of, of being a wing and three spot. Um, and so in then with wear um, you know, a lot of versatility and able to protect the rim. So like that, that three, four, five, um, you know, there, there's certainly going to be some offensive limitations, you know, everybody's got them. Um, you know, there's, there's not too many teams in the country that aren't going to have some sort of limitation on one end of the floor. Um, but then on the opposite end you know, as Bob said on defense, that, that should be as, you know, a suffocating front line. Um lot of length, a lot of size. Um, you know, then you've got where they're protecting the rim, especially in in Mike Woodson's um defensive scheme, which is basically funneling everything to the rim. You've got a seven foot one with what, seven nine wingspan um guy back there. Um, you know, that's that's a lot to handle. So um, you know, there's there's certainly concerns um that are valid um uh, about kind of the roster makeup, I guess. Um, if you're looking at it just from like a starting five perspective, but um, you know, I, I I guess my counter to that would be that you know every team in the country is is probably focused on what their limitations are right now. But when you look at what the lineup is capable of and what their ceiling is, that's what gets me excited. Is because it, it's just a completely different brand of basketball than we've seen at Indiana for quite some time. You know, probably since what 2016 um yeah when they won the big 10 like it's it's been a while Mm -hmm. since we've kind of seen like indiana playing at like a modern style
0: yeah and if you're gonna have questions and maybe a little bit of an awkward fit make it with three five-star guys (laughs) where like Mm -hmm. some of that awkward fit may just be negated by the fact that oh man those Mm -hmm. guys are just really good players and boy, this didn't work out well, but Malik got the rebound and put it back. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. yeah, that that is one thing I think about this team last year. Rebounding was an issue from day one because you basically mm-hmm. had trace and not a whole lot else because race just wasn't quite himself as a rebounder. Miller wasn't going to go get you a lot of rebounds. I think Indiana could very well be a top 25 rebounding team in the country this year. Uh, and that's kind of an underrated thing that we don't often <laughs> talk about in the offseason. season that could have a big impact on helping to negate, you know, some of those little awkward fit issues where you can just go increase your offensive efficiency because you're able to get offensive rebounds and convert them. And this roster appears much more likely to be able to do that, both starters and bench. And the other thing with Malik at the four, Bob, you mentioned this. I thought, I thought one of the individual player skills that most improved from the beginning of the year to the end of the year was Malik's ability to defend out in space and on the perimeter. I Mm -hmm. thought he was, I mean, he looked like a fish out of water early in the season, and he was much more comfortable late. And the fact that you now have a center in Kalel Ware who, you know, he was a 29% three-point shooter on decent volume last year. Pretty good for a seven one freshman. If he can shoot 33% from three, you know, and really be a kind of a pick-and-pop threat or just, you know, be able to drift out there and space the floor, now Malik can be the guy who's on the block, whereas last year it was a lot of him and Trace together where Trace has that spot. So that makes the fit a little bit better and allows Malik to kind of play to his strengths. You know, Kalel can do his thing. I think those two guys together fascinate me with all the different ways that they can play together. And I don't think any team in the Big Ten is going to have a lot of answers for them when they're clicking because they have more talent and more athleticism than any
1: other Big Ten front line and and I would just throw in you brought up a great point about rebounding it's it's not just those offensive rebounds kind of like look I look at like the the Carolina teams in the mid 2010s where they had big wings like we're talking about and won a national championship even though the three point shooting wasn't great because they were rebounding so well they were able to get you know you know get points get second chance opportunities but you also got five guys to get initiate a break yeah you know you get you you, you get that ball off and you know and there's you know there's where rip you know and okay he gets it over ed he's blowing down the floor and he may two three dribbles hits xj and where and where where is really dangerous to a three-point shooter. i was kind of watching some you know again watching his three-point shots when we first picked when he first committed to iu transition threes that guy sets up out out of the top of the key and it's 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 that's that's his spot that's his shot so that's a hard, and that's hard. How do you guard that if you're if you're a Big Ten center, your traditional plotting Big Ten center compared to other to other to other conference you know types types of guys? I mean, and then if you you, you can't guard it, then you're right into flow offense, and you're getting great looks. But you got five guys who can get that thing up the floor in three four seconds. It's hard for a lot of Big Ten teams to guard you. And my question with those three is okay. If you're Con- if if you're Greg Gard, you have to put Connor Segan on one of those guys. Who are you going to put him on?
0: <laughs> That's a good question. It's
2: a very good question, Tony. So-
0: final thoughts on this before we uh, jump to the mailbag.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, more than anything, like I said, it's it's exciting to be playing at this style that has showcased it's kind of the style you need to play at to contend on a national level. Um, And, you know, you might have to take a backseat to being a a second tier big 10 team to maybe compete at the national level. You know, we, we've seen Michigan do it um, a couple of times. I mean, I think two seasons ago, Michigan, you know, kind of squeaked into the NCAA tournament and then they were the last big 10 team standing um, just kind of based on their roster makeup being, more geared towards March than the Big Ten. And I think it, Mike Woodson's done a nice job of kind of having pieces to do both. You know, I think that Peyton Sparks pickup is 100% a pickup you get to compete in the Big Ten. Um, but then your Anthony Walker pickup, that's more one you're trying to compete in March um, with a guy like that. So I, I'm loving the roster makeup. Do all the pieces fit perfectly? No. Um, still one scholarship open as well, um, which is intriguing uh, on what Indiana might do there. But overall, it, you know, when I was doing these lineup combinations, it, it kind of gets you giddy, um, you know, and the juice is flowing about, you know, your, your press break lineups or your, your big lineups, your small ball lineups, whatever the case may be. Um, it's got me ready for November um, only in terms of basketball, not weather.
0: <laughs> well, and this is <laughs> why, going back to the banner moment, this is why Xavier Johnson is so important because he makes a lot of this stuff make sense. And it's a, it's a heavy burden for him, but you know, he's a six year senior that has been around the block a lot. And again, seems ready for this challenge. And when you can start with him and a center like Kalil Ware, who again, theoretically, we've got to see it, you know, consistently throughout a season, but who can do all the things that he can do. It gives you a lot of freedom to mix and match around those guys in ways that make sense. And you know, that for Indiana uh, is something that we haven't had in a while, um and so you know again i think there'll be ups and downs i think it's going to take a little while for this all to coalesce i think there's going to be games where we come on here and like what the hell was that and there's going to be other games where it's like holy crap that's as good as we've seen an iu team play in a long time because the talent is just overwhelming we probably need to prepare ourselves for that but hopefully it all leads to you know a team that really makes a lot of sense and hits its stride uh in february and march um okay Let's move on now. We've got a few really good mailbag questions, some of them related to what we just discussed. And so we will uh, get to those next here as we keep going on the assembly call. Stick with us.
1: VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients.
0: As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts
1: to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact.
2: Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate.
1: Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.
2: We're on an eight-zero run. Cut it to thirteen. Oh. <laughs> Jared, were you alluding to Indiana might not go undefeated next year? Is that what you were saying to close that I don't segment? Think
0: so. I don't think we're gonna go undefeated, and I I won't be shocked if there's a couple of ugly losses in the non conference either. Like I, I mean, I think there could be some awkwardness early with just so many new pieces. But again, like man, just like get the talent, <laughs> you know. Like mm-hmm. we've got good players. I mean, I, I think we're gonna be able to figure <laughs> it out because again, I think we've got the point guard to help us do it. So uh, you know, I I am trying this off season. To be a little bit more realistic, because I, as much as anybody, can get caught up in the idealized version of every. Okay, CJ is going to become you know a thirty-eight percent three-point shooter, and everybody becomes the best version of themselves. Chances are, half the guys will, half the guys won't. You know, Trey may not develop anymore. We may get the Trey from last mm-hmm. year, which is you know fine. Uh, you know, Caleb. It may take him another year. You know, maybe Kalel struggles. All these things could happen, but you know, ultimately when you look at the experience point guard, the talent down low and some of the potential on the bench, it's given what this looked like for a while in the offseason, we're in quite a good spot, I think. So absolutely. Very yeah, excited about agreed. that. Okay. Let's, uh, let's hop in here and wrap this up with a few final questions. Here we go.
2: Um...
1: Thomas Bryant. What's the only thing better than being Kentucky in the NCAA tournament? Celebrating it with friends afterwards. Join Jared, Andy, Ryan, and coach after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosiers.
0: I don't have intros from Victor and Cody, so we're just gonna go with Thomas Bryant again since he's playing in the NBA mm-hmm. Finals. I'm Jared Morris here with Coach Bob Moats, the coach Tony Adrana. We just had fun for about a half hour diving into all the different lineup permutations that Indiana could play. We will be doing a lot more of that as we go in the offseason. As I mentioned to you guys in the chat, we have to take a break because we could probably do this for hours and hours and hours and continue to have fun with it. Uh, but we have to stop somewhere. Uh, let's go to our mailbag. All of these questions submitted uh, in our private community, which you can learn more about at assemblycall.com community. Or if you don't want the full community experience, but you want to get Tony's IU Film Room content, you can get that at iufilmroom.com. So we have a couple of options for you. Uh, Bob, we have a question from a gentleman named Mike, uh, who I think you might be familiar with. You may have spoken with him uh, a time or two. And this question probably could be an entire episode, but I'm going to ask it anyway and let you guys maybe do a short answer. And then maybe we'll expand on it later. He says... What new sets or looks could you envision IU utilizing next year, given how different the skill sets are between the incoming and outgoing players? So again, great. this is, we could talk about this forever, but do you have a, a short answer to this question?
1: Sh- short answer is I, you know, and great things come out of Terre Haute, Indiana. Uh, I would, I would say that um, motion weak motion strong. Some of the, the the stuff that Greg Popovich developed at San Antonio where you have some flexible, um, very, you know, five guys, you know, five, five options on scoring and, and, and really what those, what those, what those sets and what those concepts develop is, where do you move a point guard after, after an entry pass into the offense? And so, um, weak goes to the weak side and then there's a, a way to bring a wing down to set a cross screen. And then all of a sudden you got a post look, you've got an attack from the point, you can put Mambako on the motion strong side where they set two stagger screens and bring a guy, you know, whether, whether it's Trey Galloway, CJ Gunn, whomever off of those. And then, you know, work into a two-man game, work into all sorts of fun stuff. I think so much of this comes down to for Indiana, it's looking at skill sets and with Woodson's read and react concepts, can he develop a, you know, a system that works for, you know, with the players that he has there? You know, in those positions, so I think I really think that though that we're, we'll see more of those types of areas where it's going to be less looking at the post all the time, or looking at you know that 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 sort of two option thing, where you actually see more five option and a lot more cutting and that sort of thing out of these types of actions.
0: If you're curious what some of that stuff may look like, these are the kinds of things Tony's going to be writing about uh, in the newsletter. Tony, what do you you know what what are kind of some general thoughts you have on how you know the offense may look different this year?
2: Yeah, uh, first things first, I was I was hoping you were going to actually read the intro on the run sheet here. Um, hi, I'm Brian Tonsoni here with Galen Clavio and Ryan Phillips. I I'm was, not Ron I Burgundy, was, Tony. I can, <laughs> I I can adjust on it. the fly even if I forget <laughs> to change something on the run sheet. <laughs> I was banking on it. Um, no, but in terms of offense... Um, You know, I was looking at it from more of like a what sets might we see more of and things like that. Um, You know, Indiana ran a lot of Zoom last year, um, and I think you're going to see a lot of it again um, this coming season. Zoom action is essentially it's a you got a guy standing in the corner and you've got a down screen and a dribble handoff happening at the same time for that guy. So it's basically like he's coming off of a double screen into a ball screen um we and, did this you know, with Jalen
0: all the time Jalen
2: hudgfino scored about 30 points against purdue doing yes. that exact action um i think you're going to see a lot of that um you know with the likes of like an you know, Omako or it could be a cj gun you know you could see it ran for xavier johnson and you've got a lot of good action happening on the weak side to occupy help side defense so um that's not necessarily new because indiana ran it a ton but i think you're going to see it more and more because it's a five out type of offense um, and you can run counters out of it you know as teams start to to key on you um, you know Indiana ran a great counter against Kent State uh, where Kent State was kind of overplaying Jalen Shafino because he kept coming off those that zoom action one after another so they overplayed it Mike Woodson comes comes out of a timeout Kent State's overplaying it runs a backdoor Jalen Hutchifino gets a dunk and it kind of like sealed the deal for that game um, you know then there's Spain actions, what they call Spain it's essentially uh, a ball screen for a guard to come off of and then somebody sets a back screen for the big that set the ball screen. Um, so I could see those type of actions that are Xavier Johnson coming off a ball screen from where and then where receives a back screen from so whoever a shooter is in the lineup and you've got where running to the rim, hopefully free. You've got Xavier Johnson, who is an excellent at lob passes, and then the guy who set the back screen. He's going to pop to the top of the key if his man helps on where. And so there's a lot of great stuff you can do there. Um, and then something new um, would be like Iverson iso's. Um, and so Mike Woodson did it a ton with Carmelo Anthony, and I I see Mbako kind of that mellow mold. Um, you know, hell, they even called him to um, you know help. In terms of recruitment. Um, but essentially what an Ivers screen is iverson screen is is you've got four guys at the top, um, you know, in an alignment, two guys on the elbows, two guys on the wings. You're gonna send one guy underneath, and then the iverson screen, the ball hand or the guy on the wing essentially goes over the two guys on the elbows to the opposite side of the floor. And then you can do a lot of stuff out of that, but it's essentially you're trying to isolate, it's called an iverson, um, because they ran it a lot for Alan Iverson to isolate him. And so I can see that type of action for like guys like Mbako or a CJ Gunn to get them out on the wing moving and then isolating from there. So Bob mentioned like straight line drives could be um, a little bit more difficult for guys like an Mbako. And actions like that will help them with that because they're able to get on the move. They've got their defender on their hip so they can catch and go, and they've kind of got a half a step already on them. So I could see actions like that especially because mike woodson i mean he was he had iso joe uh you know in atlanta <laughs> he had mellow in new york um you know he's not afraid to isolate his best player if he thinks he's got a match up against you so i could see those types of things too Now that he's got super versatile wings that can you know take somebody off the dribble the kind of stuff that works a lot better with
0: talent than kind Correct. of trying to shoehorn in more one-dimensional players into those things So very good. And we'll, uh, we'll dive into a lot more of that stuff as we go forward. A question from Jeffrey, how much time will Cups and Newton get this season? I don't really have a feel for Newton, honestly. I just, I don't know how ready he's going to be. I mean, if he is ready, you know, he'll get some time and he's going to play, but I don't have a great feel for that one. My gut is it's not going to be a lot this season, but that's not based on a whole lot. It's just based on him coming off injury and, you know, some of the other guys that we have. Cups is interesting. He's going to play. Um, I don't think there's much from last season that you can look at um, because Jalen didn't really have a backup. I mean, Trey was basically his backup as a ball handler, but was also a starter. I mm-hmm. think if you look to two years ago, though, you can envision Gabe in the Rob Finney role partly. And Rob played 32.3% of minutes, while X played 66.4% of minutes. I think that number is going to go way up for X. Um, no, there'll be games with foul trouble and there'll be games early in the season where you don't ride him as hard. I think in big 10 play, he's basically going to play as many minutes as he can handle. And cups isn't necessarily the defensive closer that Finissy was Finissy played some of those minutes because he was in defensive lineups at the ends of games. So if finessey played 32% of minutes. I would say cups is probably going to be around 25% would be my guess. I think there will be some times he plays with X. There will certainly be some times where he backs him up. Um, but then I think there will also be some games where he plays three or four minutes because X takes it, doesn't get in foul trouble. And, you know, Woody just doesn't really trust anybody else to be out there. So again, Newton, I don't have a great feel. My guess is it's low cups. I would say will probably be in the 22 to 28% range as your backup point guard. Do you, you guys agree or or have any other thoughts on that one?
1: I, I think so. I think I think about ten, I was saying anywhere between ten to ten to sixteen a game, you know, depending on the depending on the matchup. For cups. Not, assuming no injury. Yeah, with cups. Um Newton, again, it's until we really see him come out. Um, it's really hard to kind of tell if he's going to break a rotation or not at this point. But I'm interested to see how many times Woodson plays two point guards with both Cups and XJ? Does he Set it up, and you know, I know Tony was talking about Iverson screens, for example. You know, you put cups and, and, and XJ in there together. There are ways of kind of just getting XJ more off ball and having cups act as more of a pure point. Oh, you know, and they could do the same thing with Trey, obviously. But I think, you know, getting cups into that position where the two of them are on the court, on the floor, kind of, you know, playing off each other a little bit just maybe adds another a little added dimension to IU's game overall. And if they can do that more effectively, I mean, the, that, and, and, and then again, let's just assume uh, we always assume CJ gun's going to have a, a breakout year, but if he's having an off game or finds foul trouble himself and you need to uh, put Galloway on the bench, you know, you may have, you may be seeing a you know, more of that XJ and cups type of look versus what, you know, we thought, you know, what we, what we traditionally thought coming into the year.
0: Yeah. And how, how ready is cups to be a scorer? Like, is he a credible shooter as a freshman and who can he defend? I mean I think Gabe projects as a pretty good defender long term is he ready to be that guy as a freshman. If he can defend and shoot, you know I think you know that I mean you know, Rob Finnessy's offense was terrible his last year in Indiana overall. You know and so you could see Cups getting more minutes if he can do those things. I'm just trying to be a little bit conservative with, you know, a freshman who's probably going to have mm-hmm. some some struggles with some of those things um as we As we get into the season from Jared, not me, but another Jared. Do you realistically think we add one more player? If so, who would it be? Tony, I think, yes, it's realistic that we add another player. Clearly they're out there looking for people. I think it's going to profile as one of two types of guys. It's either going to be a veteran who can step in right away and provide scoring and or playmaking from that two spot, hopefully both. But I think it's going to be a veteran or it's going to be a guy like you know, Mongolian Mike, who is a younger, more developmental guy, but doesn't really have a proxy on the current roster. Like, I don't think there's any reason why you would take a young two guard because you already have that guy in CJ gun. So what's the point in taking that guy? You know, Mike is different than anything we've had on this roster because he's big and versatile, you know, and he's a young guy you would want to take a chance on. So I think it's going to be one of those two types of players. I don't really see it being anyone else now realistically are there a lot of options out there right now there are not a ton but I think you know we're going to keep looking for those but I think it's going to be one of those two types of guys do you do you agree or you think there's another type of player we might go after
2: I completely agree Um, you know those are the exact two types that I would have said myself Um, you know I I think um, like you mentioned a Mongolian Mike a little bit more of a long-term play um, you know Helps you not have to possibly replace like six guys next year, maybe um, that you think his ceiling is high. Um, but to me, like you, you'd have, obviously want to be honest with him in that. And you know, as a guy that entered the NBA draft talk this year, I don't know that he's going to really have the patience um, to kind of sit and wait on that. So I don't he know if he also what those might benefit
0: are. from just playing, you know, right. at a smaller mm-hmm. school. Right. So,
2: and, you know, which makes like that's why I think his his cut list was so vast. You know, he had San Francisco, Memphis, mm-hmm. Nebraska, Indiana and Pitt, I think. Um, so, you know, it was just kind of a vast array of of schools and tiers. So interesting. If I, were hitting, I would
0: think pretty hard about Nebraska. I think Nebraska is a pretty good fit mm-hmm. for him, honestly, because he's got playing time. The system that Holyberg runs really fits him. That would be a pretty good landing spot for him, I think.
2: Yeah, I think, mm-hmm. I, yeah. If I'm Hoiberg, I'm going as hard as I can after him. Yeah. Um. But you know, like then, like you said, you know, a veteran too, is you know somebody that can instantly raise the ceiling of what this IU team is from a scoring and playmaking aspect. Um. You know, is that a Reeves from Kentucky? Um. Perhaps. Uh, that's not a report. That's just me speculating. Mm-hmm. Um. Something like that. Um. You know, I could see IU kicking the tires on and taking, you know, if you, if you asked me today, like, will I, you add a 13th guy, my answer would be yes. Um, hmm. but who that may be, I don't know.
0: Yeah. Bob? And,
2: and I take the counter on that. I, I think at this
1: point, you know, and, and there are, so again, there are some, some exceptional types of situations like, um, other than like promoting, you know, promoting, a, promoting a walk-on, you know, or finding a coach, uh, some somebody in coaching whose kid is looking for a place to land for a year or two. Um, I just, I, I think it's really hard to find right now in the portal, that guy that's going to raise the ceiling another, you know, who's going to supplant anybody in the the nine or 10 guys we're talking about who are going to get significant minutes on this team. Um do you do your due diligence? Of course. You know, when you, when you know that there's a guy out there that may be interested in you, like a, like a Mongolian Mike or, um, you know, the, you know, the kid from Kentucky. Yeah. You're, you're making those co- Yeah. You're, you're going to make that, you're going to make that, you're going to do that. And, um, I, I think, uh, that's one of those uh, for IU. I think the more, the, the more you can kind of, at this point now focus on your 2024, 2025, 2026. Yeah. You know, that those classes, building those relationships, keeping your ear to the ground on other guys that might be looking next year or the year after, but really looking at that at, at building that 2024 class and spending that time to get to, to to hit the ground between Halloween and Thanksgiving with some commits and building another top 10 to stack a class. I think that that should if I'm looking at a focus for the staff, that would be the one thing I'm really looking at versus. Well do we need a 13 scholarship guy? No, I think I think we'll be okay. I think yep. I think we've got enough in place where this team will continue to where this can be very competitive come you know 9 months from now.
0: Yep. From Maria, how do you think we avoid being like Illinois last year uh, with with a lot of talent but not much success? Uh, I think you know coach Tonsoni has addressed this on numerous occasions. The biggest issue for Illinois last year is they had all this talent and no one to run the team. The difference with Indiana is we have one of the best point guards in the country to run the team and help make the pieces fit. That's why I trust that. That's why I think, you know, we kind of talked about this early in the off season. Hey, would you take Illinois season last year as the floor? Most of us, I think maybe everybody here said yes, just because things Mm -hmm. felt so uncertain. Now I think it's very clear to see how Indiana can be better than what Illinois was last year, because you've got all these talented pieces, but you've also got the point guard to make it fit. I kind of look at Illinois last year now as the floor for what I expect from Indiana. Make the tournament, you know, you're somewhat competitive in Big Ten play, you're a nine seed, like that's a fine season, it just kind of keeps the momentum going. Um, But I think the ceiling is much higher. Fair, Tony? Yeah,
2: Yeah, I think that's completely fair. And and I would argue too that, um, you know, there seemed like there was a lot of, kind of clashing personalities on Illinois. Yeah. And, um, you know, to me, if I have a, a team like that, I want Mike Woodson rather than Brad Underwood um, to, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to kind of Sorry, manage coach. that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I, uh, but so to me, I think that's a differential too, um, to, you know, kind of merging that success because Mike Woodson's had to do that at the highest level with large, much larger egos and personalities than kind of what you you've got at the college game. So, um, you know, I'm, yeah, that's, that's kind of my difference maker there as well. From Jim,
0: Tom Hoosier. Do you think people are sleeping on where and his potential to have a huge sophomore season,
1: Bob? What do you think? Yes, yeah, yes. I I mean, (laughs) it it, it, seven one with with twenty plus in range. uh, The physical tools are all there. Uh, Bigs always develop. I think. I, I, I think Bigs. Tony would agree with this that Bigs develop slower than you know wings or guards just because of the physical transformation that their body has to undergo. And the other problem is you have to now realize that you know just because you're 7-1 doesn't mean that you get to dunk on everybody like you used to. Even even when you're playing on the AAU circuit, you're still playing against 17-year-olds, 18-year-olds versus playing against grown men who have had 3, 4 years in a college weight program. And on uh, playing on a on a stage and a level with with that 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 is that that that's not really comparable. So I mean, I think with where you know you 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 know you look at that first season going well, you know this he did he didn't have as productive one as we would have. But but no, it's again the the, he's trying out U nineteen for USA basketball. Clearly, people in this country, people in the basketball world, are saying this kid can play we're not sure where he ranks just yet we're not sure where he is you know with the top 50 players in his in his group but we know that the, we know that there's a lot a lot that this kid can offer whatever team's there and I, I see him you know if he with the year he has i mean i you know i think he projects as a one at you know at least an early entrant in the draft and we're looking at a two you know guy who'll be an IU for two for one season give us a you know give the program his all and move on to the next to the next level, and I think in many respects, if IU can get him there, that's going to be successful down the road in recruiting, especially those top McDonald's All American type type bigs
2: that Mike Woodson needs in his defensive scheme, as Tony alluded to. That's best case scenario, right? It, you know, where yeah. I'm being one and done at IU.
0: Yes, absolutely. The dumbest recurring conversation I've had to get into with people on social media is people who come at me with where analysis well he six points four rebounds as a freshman you're getting all excited if that's what you're focusing on you're doing it wrong (laughs) just that's not what you should focus on with this particular player there's there were extenuating circumstances and there's so much talent there let's give this kid a chance because he had if if this guy is first team all big 10 it will not be a surprise that's the level of Mm -hmm. talent that he has and that's not even hyperbole he's just he's got now i'm not saying he's going to get there I mean, he's got, you know, there are things he's got to do and, you know, he needs to bring it every game and all of those things, but talent, I mean, he's probably the most talented player in the conference, mm-hmm. you know, depending on what you think of Xavier Booker, or you know, some guys at you know, some of the guys at Michigan state, I mean, if, if an NBA team were just looking at the big 10, and you were just saying, you can take one of the guys off the big 10, off a big 10 roster right now, who's going in front of Kalil Ware? mbaco <laughs> yeah right <laughs> I mean, Maybe that's maybe. where we're at so mm-hmm. nothing is guaranteed but that's a level of talent that's on this roster and so as much as we all want to be cautious and that's fine it's also okay to get kind of excited about the level of talent because these aren't the types of players that we've seen so mm-hmm. you know balance it and stay cautious but like i don't know kind of get excited too because this is fun so mm-hmm. Yes, Jim. Tom, people are sleeping on him, but I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna be good. Last question from Phil: If we continue on the path of one and done, is it possible to sustain beyond Coach Woodson's tenure? Uh, I think the first thing here from Phil is the premise of this question is interesting. If we continue on the path of one and done, you know, Indiana is not doing the Duke or Kentucky thing from a few years ago, where it's mm-hmm. like let's bring in four or five guys, they're all going to go pro, and then we reload. This is, hey, we found Jalen Hutchino, featured him one and done. Now it is possible this season, Indiana, you know, could have two guys who are one and done in the program if things go well with Khalel Ware, who would be a, you know, a two and done officially, but a one and done at IU, and then McKenzie and Baco. Um, but I think if you're gonna get that kind of talent, you take it, but you do also have to have an infrastructure, you know, of guys you've developed, Tony. And that, you know, Xavier Johnson represents that. You know, Malik Renew is that type of guy, some of, the, some of the young guys. So I wouldn't really say that we're on the path of one and done. I think what we're doing, at least what we've done so far, seems like a smart strategy where it's when you have the ability to get talented guys like this, you get them, but you have to surround them with guys that you're developing in the program. Um, and I think that's the path that we're on. And so I think this path is the smart one. I don't necessarily think we're, we haven't yet demonstrated that we're in some kind of either or. Now, if we hit on every 2024 and 2025 guy we're after, you know, maybe that occurs, but we'll deal with that problem when it comes. So I somewhat disagree with the premise of Phil's question, actually. Do you do you agree or do you think there's maybe something more deeper there that we should look at?
2: I, I do agree. I, I, it's kind of like, it's kind of a mixture of like the Villanova and like the Duke mold, like Villanova kind of, you know, hit, tries to hit those sweet spot recruits that, that Mike talks about or. IU in Philly. Um, and, and then, you know, when you've got opportunities to, to get high level talent, you obviously want to go get it. Um, now I'll, I'll tweak his question and tell you what I don't necessarily know is sustainable beyond this 10 year is, um, getting a late decommit five-star every <laughs>
0: spring. It happens um, every year, Tony, at some point, yeah. it's just a thing, you know,
2: <laughs> I mean, it, you know, eventually <laughs> coincidences has become trends. Um, so I'll tweak the question and say that probably isn't sustainable, but um, I, I think we're in agreement that, you know, I wouldn't say Indiana is, is a one-and-done approach um, to what they're doing in terms of roster building. But, you know, with the transfer portal now too, it's it's all, you know, you basically are going to have to remake at least a portion of your roster every offseason, yeah. more times than not. You know, it's, it's rare, at least a couple of, you know, additions or subtractions. Um, you know, it's going to be rare where you're just going to have, you know, seniors leave and your freshman class comes in and that's, that's it. Um, so that, that throws a wrench in the whole roster building aspect as well.
0: Thanks for using the, the term sweet spot, by the way, now we have to pay Mike royalties for featuring that. On the show. <laughs> well,
2: he told me he'd give me half if I said it.
0: Okay. So. <laughs> Bob last word on this question. Then we'll wrap up.
1: Um, oh, I, I, I actually, my earbuds just died on me again, guys. So I apologize right, right, right now for this. So I'm, I'm, I'm just going to kind of finish, you know, finish, finish off here real quick that, uh, I know, I don't think I use on a one and done strategy. I think they're finding the best guys they can get a hold of. I always felt like this upcoming season was going to be the next, it was, it was going to be like a one-year gap before they could get to the 24s, 25s. And really just filled the most competitive team they can. You get, you know, and again, they found, I mean, I think they hit the, the, the ball out of the park with this group for the one year that they're going to need to have in order to get guys in here like uh, McNeely, Boogie Flan, you know, wh- whoever these guys end up being in 24, or Har- Harrelson and Sicily coming in 25. And that's, you know, there's really a lot to be excited about and then from there just kind of see where Mike Woodson takes it because i think Woodson does believe strongly in that you that you have to have four year guys as well as kids like Jalen Hoods Scafino, uh kids like um Ware and Mbuke M- um Mac M- uh, M- Mbako to to play and i think that's just necessary so yep.
0: All righty. Well, that is going to do it for us on this week's edition of the Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live, you can join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. Thank you to Bob Thompson for producing our music. Thank you to John Ringer of rigdesign.com for designing our logos. And thank you for listening. We will be back to talk IU hoops again with you next Thursday, as we always do. Until then.
1: Take it from me, Thomas Bryant. Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. Go Hoosiers. Thank you. Thanks for coming out. Indiana basketball is the shit. Well said, coach. Nuggets
0: win 104 93. Probably not great for the Heat that they lost when Denver shot less than 30% from three. It's yeah, probably a game we need to trade. The
2: 104 yeah. pretty incredible.
0: Although I will say, outscoring them 30-20 to 20 in the fourth quarter for the Heat probably gives them a little hope and momentum, at least, going into game two.
2: That Heat zone serious. defense, man, it just it it bugs those teams.
0: Yeah. Well, good show, fellas. Always great to have you guys on. Um, again, uh, go to iufilmroom.com. Tony and I are going to be doing a lot uh, with the newsletter. Very excited <laughs> to bring that to you. Um, let's get that started. Tony's got a huge Google doc with this long <laughs> list of things that he's planning for uh, to write in there. So there's a, there's going to be a lot. So if some of the X's and O's stuff, like an Iverson cut, if that, if listening to the explanation didn't make a whole lot of sense, Tony will probably have a, you know, a series on Iverson cuts so you can see what it actually looks like. And it helps make a lot more sense. I, I have greatly benefited from this from reading your content and watching your content. Cause I'm not really the X's and O's type guy. But it's really helped me like see it more. So when you say what's a zoom action, like I get it. I know it because I've watched that. So it's really, you know, for me, it's really helped me kind of see the game at a, a more in-depth level. And that's what we want to bring to everybody listening. So.
2: Well, thank you. I out. appreciate that. And I'm excited. I'm excited to kick it off. Um, and uh, I'm excited my iufilmroom.com domain can be used once again. That's right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that is right. All right, guys. Have a great night. We will uh, see y'all inside the community and on Twitter and in secret discords. And will <laughs> talk to y'all later Take care, on. <laughs> everyone. Bye. Bye.
2: Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. Mm. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%.